Two things I want us to consider at this point in our service, and that is, um, if you brought your Bible with you, I want you to turn to the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. So Exodus chapter 31, we're going to read the first 11 verses of that passage, and then what um, I want you to do is also take a look, um, by the way, the Bible passage is on the overhead too, but after we read the scripture together, what we're going to do is we're going to continue in our catechetical series as we've been going through uh, various questions and answers regarding the basics of our faith. And I want to think about this um, for for those of you who who attend here regularly. You think about it as the as the weeks go by, we really do cover quite a bit of material in our in our catechetical teach, uh, teaching series, and we have we've been following um, over boy I don't know how long it is even maybe what six months eight months even more I don't know but we've been following um, the basic teachings of the faith codified uh, in the Apostles' Creed, which we confessed earlier in our service, and we've been covering really the life and the ministry and the high points of that of Jesus Christ, and ultimately culminating in his being seated at the right hand of God, and from there pouring forth his spirit upon the church. And a few weeks ago, we looked at the person and the work, and the very important person and ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the last time that we met, we delved into the Apostle Creed's teaching on the church, what the church is, why the church is important. And now we're following up on that as we look at a phrase in the Apostles' Creed called the communion of the saints. And when you hear that word saints in the Bible, um, don't, don't think Roman Catholic saints. When the Bible uses that term, it's just talking about believers in Jesus Christ. Those are set apart to God through faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to look at the communion of the saints, particularly how God has given us various gifts and abilities in the church and at Pathway 2 to build our communion and our fellowship with each other and also with the world. So with that in mind, um, I want to draw your attention to Exodus chapter 31, where we find a particularly gifted individual. His name is Bezalel. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge in all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, in carving wood, to work in every craft. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahasamach of the tribe of Dan. And I have given to all men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you, the tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is on it and all the furnishings of the tent the table and its utensils, and the pure lampstand with all its utensils, and the altar of incense, and the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the basin and its stand, and the finely worked garments, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and garments of his sons for their service as priests, and the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded you, they shall do, to which we could probably say at the end of that passage, boy, they really have their work cut out for them, don't they? We're going we're to look into that. Um, before we do, I want us to uh, 
look at question answer uh, 55. Could you put that up there, please? Uh, that's, that's not it. Can you put the full one up there, please? Don't we have it? No? Nope. All right, listen. I'm just going to have to read it for you. So I want you to listen up. And usually what we do is I uh, read the question and then together we give the answer. So let me read the question and then just listen to the answer. What do you understand by the communion of saints? And the answer is this. First of all, that believers all and everyone as members of Christ have communion with him and share in all his treasures and, listen to that word, gifts. Second, that everyone is duty-bound to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the benefit and well-being of the other members. So when you, when you hear those words, you hear on two separate occasions in this answer the word gifts that are used. And we're going to be focusing on what are, what are gifts and why should we use them? Why are they, why are they uh, important? Now I want to begin by, by uh, asking some questions. And I'm going to ask for, because this is a catechetical series, and we're going to have a discussion time after the sermon. But before we do that, what I want to do is involve us at the very outset here. And I have three basic questions. And if you know the answer, I want you to raise your hand. And if you don't know the answer, don't raise your hand. But don't do this. I can never tell if anybody's really, you know, all right? So here's, here's some really simple questions, okay? How many of you have heard of the name Rembrandt? I can't believe not everybody's not raising their hand. Yeah, there we go. I saw that. Okay, thanks. All right, another name, Michelangelo. Okay, another name, one final name. Well, no, second to last one, uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Okay, so most of you. Now, you know who these individuals are. You got Rembrandt, who was a painter, comes from a Dutch background, Rembrandt van Rijn. And then you have Michelangelo from Italian background. He was a sculptor. And then you have, and also a painter. And then you also have um, Leonardo da Vinci, who is a designer. He was an inventor. Okay, all, all very artistically gifted, we could say. Here's a, final, here's a final name. And be honest with me, how many of you have heard of the name before we actually heard that name in the scripture reading? How many have heard of the name Bezalel? Yeah, not quite as many. Okay, actually there are many, many Christians who've never heard of the name Bezalel, or if they have heard of the name Bezalel, they really don't know the significance of this man, right? But this man is extremely significant, and even in the Christian church today, though many people may not know Bezalel, if you go to Israel today, it's kind of interesting, I saw this online, I think it's either in Jerusalem or in Tel Aviv, I think it's in Tel Aviv, where they have what's called the Bezalel Institute. The Jews know who Bezalel, because they knew he was gifted, and there was an art institute named after him. Well, that comes from the Old Testament, that comes from the Bible. So Bezalel is a very important individual, because what he does is he teaches us about what we call, what the Bible calls gifts. And how these gifts come from God and how God expects us to use these gifts as our catechetical statement noted on the basis of both Old and New Testament that God uses, gives us these gifts to be used here for the benefit 
of each other and for the flourishing of this body. Gifts are very important. And the church oftentimes doesn't take this into consideration in the way that it should. So we're going to be taking a look at that. All of these things I'm just talking about are just kind of all focused in on this vid, uh, individual name, Bazalel. Okay, so let's look, at, let's look at Bazalel. Actually, his name sounds like this in the original Hebrew. Bitzalel. Bitzalel. It's kind of got this sound to it, but we use the Z or we use the Z with it because it just rolls off the tongue easier. So we'll just stick with that. Bazalel of the Hebrews, Yehuda, of the tribe of Yehuda, of, of Judah. And Bazalel is an individual, a very gifted individual, that is connected with what is called the tabernacle. If you know anything about the tabernacle, you know that the tabernacle was the predecessor of the more permanent structure known as the temple. But the, the, before the temple, you had the tabernacle. And the tabernacle basically was, and the word that's used here in this passage is tent. And really what it was, it was a portable tent where the Israelites worshipped God and where God dwelt among his people as they were journeying through a wilderness on the way to the promised land. And you remember, maybe you remember this, is that when God worked through Moses to bring his people out of the land of Egypt, God said to Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go so that they may serve me or some translate it, worship me in the wilderness. So you think, why did God want his people to leave Egypt and go into the wilderness on the way to the promised land? Is because when they were in Egypt, they were not able to worship him in the way that he wanted. And so God, rightly so, figured, I want my people to begin worshiping me in a way that they should. So he put them in the wilderness, and he, and he designed and he commanded his people to build this portable place of, of worship. And I want, us to, I want to underscore at this point that the tabernacle was not just a place of worship, but listen to this, the tabernacle was a place where God dwelt with his people, where God's presence with, with, is with, was with his people. So you remember that, that when, when the, uh, the tabernacle was set up as this portable tent, and it took some time to put that up, right, that you remember in the Bible read about what's called the Shekinah glory cloud. And that glory cloud would come down upon the tabernacle and it would come around the tabernacle, but it would also fill the tabernacle. And that was a way of God showing his people that he was not distant from them, but he dwelt with them and he dwelt in that tabernacle. That's why the tabernacle was called the house of God. The house of God, because it was, it was a place where God dwelt with his people. Now, when you take a look at Exodus 31, um, it, it does speak about the tabernacle, but when you look at the six chapters leading up to Exodus chapter 31, it's, it's all about the tabernacle. It's about the various parts of the tabernacle, and particularly the furniture of the tabernacle. Right, So if you read the Old Testament, you know that the Old Testament tabernacle had three basic parts. You had the outer courtyard, you had the holy place, and then you had the holy of holies. And you had pieces of furniture in, in each of those parts. So for instance, in the most holy place, or the holy of holies, you have the Ark of the Covenant. 
Very beautiful piece of furniture and very intricate. And then you had other intricate pieces of furniture like, oh, like uh, in the holy place, a golden lampstand. You had the table of showbread. And then also connected with the tabernacle, you had, oh, what was it? It was... Um, you know, the bronze, the bronze altar. And so you have these basic pieces of furniture. But here's the thing. In those six chapters, it talks in great detail about the tabernacle and the furniture of the tabernacle. But the question is, who's going to build all that stuff? Who, the designs are laid out by the Lord himself, but who's going to build all that furniture? Enter in Bazalel. Enter in Bazalel. And when you take a look at Exodus 31 now, after setting the context for this a little bit, um, there, there's, there's, there's a number of things we could say about Bezalel, but I'm going to mention four basic ones for the sake of time. First of all, we see that Bezalel had multiple gifts that God gave him for the building of that furniture in the tabernacle. So he had multiple gifts. Secondly, as I noted, those gifts came from God, particularly through the work of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, Bezalel, was, it was understood that he would use those gifts, that he would not sit on them, but he would use those gifts. And fourthly, that he would use those gifts for the building of the house of God, for the tabernacle, those four things. So consider with me for just a moment those, those four things. First of all, what we have to realize is that and, and what I'm going to do, I'm going to lay some groundwork for how this passage then applies to us. Just hold on for just a minute. Just Bazalel, for now. First of all, Bazalel just didn't have one, one ability or talent or gift. He had, he had multiple gifts, right? So take a look, for instance, at verses 3 through 5. Is that, yeah, take a look at verses 3 through 5. I want to read those. We read, the Lord says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, in carving wood, and then there's this kind of wrap-up phrase, to work in every craft. Okay? So this, this, is, a, this is a man who had many abilities to, to work with a lot of different mediums. He could work with metals, he could work with gems, work with stones, he could work with wood. He had abilities, the Bible says, in every craft. He was also a man, as you can imagine, of great wisdom and intelligence. So he had, he had, he had, he had all of these gifts. And, you know, here's the thing. It's not like he had an ability in just one area, but multiple areas. Have you, ever, have you ever met someone like that? Where you, where you go, you know, that, that guy or that gal, I mean, they, they can do anything. They are multi-talented, right? They can, they can play music, they can, they can draw, they can sculpt, they have technological skills, they, they, well, listen, have you ever had this where, and, and I don't know about you, it, it kind of strikes me, sometimes I'll meet a guy, let's say, and um, he just moved into a new home. And I'll say, I said, that's a, that's a beautiful home. And we get talking, he goes, yeah, yeah, I, I built it. And I'm like, do you ever have this? Like, what do you mean you built your own home? Yeah, you know, I, I subcontracted some of the work, but not much. You know, some of the, le, le, you know, the, the, I had an electrician come in and that kind of stuff. But most of all, I just did it all myself. And uh, does it ever strike you like, you built, you built your whole house? I mean, you have to have multiple talents for that. So you ask the question, where, 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 
How, how did you learn how to do that? Eh, you know, and they don't make much out of it. Really. It's like, well, you just, you know, you learn as you go along. Or a guy who works on a car. And he says, I, re I rebuilt my engine. It's like, I ask him, what, what do you mean you just rebuilt it? Yeah. I said, where would you learn how to do that? Did you go to school? Well, you know, friends got together and we work hard. My dad, I'd hang around my dad and he'd show me what to do. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I guess I rebuilt a whole engine now. It's like, sometimes you just have it where people are gifted in one area or multiple areas. Or sometimes you just look at an individual and you go, that's so incredible, that's weird. Like, for instance, Mozart. Scholars are divided as to when he composed his first piece of music. Was it four years old or five years old? <laughs> you know, most kids are drawing simple pictures of dogs and cats. Oh, here's a kid composing a piece of music. So when you look at these things, you go, you know what? This is not just some natural ability where this kid was born in the world and he was able to do something like that. Man, that's a, that's a gift of God. That's a gift of God. And sometimes you meet people. That was Bazala. Secondly, I'll be more brief with this. Secondly, Bazala was expected to use his gifts. Look at verses one, or, or second, I'm sorry. He was, he was given ability from God himself. That's why he had the gift. Take a look at verses one through three. The Lord said to Moses, see, now this is important, two things. I have called by name Bazalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And then he says this, and I have filled him with the spirit of God. So first of all, what the passage says, the Lord says, I have, I have called him, that is, I've selected him and set him apart for this. But secondly, he says, I have filled him, I have filled him with my spirit. And the word for spirit in the Hebrew is ruach, which can also be translated as breath, as breath or wind. It's almost as if with this man, God not only selected him, but he kind of almost breathed into him this ability to do what he could do for the tabernacle. Thirdly, the Lord expected Bezalel not to sit on that gift, but to use that gift, because God says that's basically why I gave the gift for it to be used. And fourthly, God called Bezalel to use that gift for doing what? For building up of the tabernacle. Take a look at verse 7 again. This is what the Lord has called him to do. And by the way, he gifted not only Bezalel, but, but his assistant, Aholiab, as well as others. Not just Bezalel, but mostly Bezalel. Look at verse 7. They were commanded, look at verse 6, the end of verse 6. I have commanded you, right, to use the abilities I've given you for what? For the tent of meeting. That's the tabernacle. Now, he mentions the furniture, the Ark of the Testimony, and the mercy seat. Verse 8, the table, utensils, the lampstand, the altar of incense. Verse 9, the burnt offering. And not only that, look at verse 10. The finely worked garments, the holy garments of Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons, and so on. You know, so, it's, it's not like you can get any guy or any woman to, to do these kinds of things. Oh, no. No, they, they were given these specific abilities to create these kinds of things, you know. So this is why, this is why when we look at this and we look at the Bible as a whole, these are not, the terms that are not used so much are abilities or talents. That's usually something we think that's just naturally that comes with being a human being. Those, these are gifts. These are gifts that come from above for the work that we see here in this passage. Okay.
So, as I oftentimes say, now we've dealt with the context and the text itself, let's step back for just a moment, get a little bit of a breather. And ask ourselves the question, okay, then what, what, what does this passage have to do? You can ask that personally, what does this passage have to do with me? What does it have to do with me? Because, and, and, and that's an okay question to ask, right? Because if we don't ask that, then we just go through a passage like this, and it just becomes a historical study revolving around this guy Bezalel and Oholiab and these other, these other men who are, who are gifted to build the tabernacle. We go, okay, that's all very interesting, but, but we have to ask, what does it have to do with me? And I want to say to us this afternoon, it's got everything to do with this. It's got everything to do with this. And why do I say that? It's because the nature of the Old Testament is always to point forward. The nature of the Old Testament is to lay the groundwork for what we read later on in history in the New Testament. And how all of what we see in the Old Testament is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus and ultimately fulfilled in us as God's people. So when I say that, then this passage really requires us to do this. To, to, to look at parallels and connecting points between Bezalel and Oholiab and the other gifted people and us today. So, again, for the sake of time, what I want to do is I want to draw very quickly these parallels. The first parallel is this. Like Bezalel, you and I are given gifts to be exercised for the good of Pathway Christian Church. In fact, God has gifted every church with certain abilities or gifts to be used for the benefit of the church as a whole, right? And you know, um, when you look at when you look at Pathway, this always strikes me. You ever you ever you ever just stop to think about the gifts that God has given us? And by the way, by the way, every one of us has a gift. Every one of us, kids have gifts. They may be what we call latent. They have yet to be developed fully, right? But all of us have gifts. Children, adults, male, female, that are be, be used for the, for the good of the body. Some of us have one gift. Some of us have multiple gifts to be, be used within the body. And you, th you think of the gifts that we have here. I mean, um, we have technological gifts, what we have is we have musical gifts, we have people who play instruments, we have keyboard, we have people who sing, um, we, have, we have service gifts, we have people like, did you notice after the, the morning service, we have this sometimes, especially when we have a lot of visitors for a baptism or professions of faith, where we have women who, who gather in that kitchen and they start preparing things. That's not a small thing. Or, or when Glenn Vienendoll or others, I mean, they put coffee in the back and they, they, they make sure that that's all taken care of. And we have just very, various people just joining hands and just serving individuals. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. Some of us have hospitality gifts, gifts for mercy, gifts for teaching, gifts for public speaking or what have you. But the point is, is that God has given these gifts for us for the building up and for the beauty of this body. That's the first thing. So each of us has a gift or gifts to be used in the body. Secondly, where these gifts come from. Obviously, do not come naturally from within ourselves, but they come from the Lord as a gift to us. Thirdly, the Lord expects them to be used. And then finally, the Lord gives us gifts to be exercised for the building up of the house of God. And you go, but wait a minute. I thought the house of God was the tabernacle. We don't have a tabernacle anymore. 
And come to think of it, we don't have the more permanent temple anymore either. So what do you mean? What are you talking about giving gifts for the building of the house of God? Well, here's the thing to remember. The house of God, and I think a lot of us know this, but, but, but maybe some of us don't. When we talk about the house of God, the house of God is not a structure like the Old Testament tabernacle or temple. The house of God is not this gym. It's not this school building. The house of God is technically not any established church building where we find pews and an organ or various instruments and, and various rooms are connected to the church for teaching ministry and so on. The house of God is not ultimately a structure. The house of God is you and me. It's the people of God. This is a New Testament perspective because in the Old Testament you have the tabernacle and you have the temple and we call them the house of God. Why? Because it's there where God's people not only worship but it's there where God was with his people by means of his presence. Remember the Shekinah glory cloud. But then when we move that forward this house of God concept points us forward first and foremost to Jesus Christ. Well, listen to these words from John 1, verse 14. For in the word became flesh and dwelt among us, literally tabernacled among us. And we, like the Shekinah glory cloud, we beheld his glory, glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So since Jesus is the house of God because he's indwelt by the Spirit of God and it's Jesus who had his presence with his people, But after Jesus died and he ascended into heaven, he's no longer with us in his physical presence, but he is by means of his spirit. Remember at Pentecost, the spirit was poured out. And where did that spirit go? The spirit went into God's people and built the church. And today, you and I are indwelt by the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit lives in us and is around us and works through us for the benefit of each other and for the blessing of the world. I know I, I, I went through a lot there, but the, here's a very simple point. You and I, as Christians, we are the fulfillment of all of what we find in Exodus chapter 31. We are the house of God, and as such, the Lord has given us gifts as the house of God, as the people of God, to be used ultimately for the building up for the building up of the house of God, for the encouragement and blessing of each other, okay? Um, and, and by the way, by the way, that's exactly, that's exactly what we see in the New Testament. Okay, guys, I need you to look up over here. Follow me? All right, follow the scriptures. Very good. Look at, look at these New Testament. And the reason why I want you to take a look at these passages is for this reason, because we're gonna connect what we find in Exodus 31 to what we find here in the New Testament. Look at this. Now there are a variety of gifts. Okay, just like Exodus 31. Variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, that means us, to each is given the manifestation, manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Now just leave it up there for just a moment. Take a look at that. When you look closely at this verse, what you see are two things. You see unity and diversity. 
Together, we make up one church. We don't have three churches here. We have one. It's called Pathway Christian Church. So we are one. But at the same time, we are diverse. We have different temperaments. We have different personalities. We have different gifts. All that are used in tandem to, to build up this body. So just as you have one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you have one body of Christ with a variety of gifts to be used to build up this body and make it a flourishing, healthy body. Next. Romans 12, verses 4 through 6. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so though many are one body in Christ and individually are members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Every one of us has a gift, and the Lord expects us to use these gifts. It may be it may be a gift that's kind of, you know, out there for people to see, right? I mean, honestly, you see me up here, you see me every week, right? And I have a, a big role to play in the worship service. But there are a number of you who, even though you may not have what's called a showy gift, doesn't mean that it's not an important gift. Service gifts, mercy gifts, hospitality gifts, encouragement gifts, really, really important in the body of Christ. And he's gifted you just with the kind of gift that he wants you to have. All right, one more. Let's take a look at 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So when God gives you a gift, he gives you that gift not to draw attention to yourself. This is the problem in the Corinthian church, remember that. All the people wanted the showy gifts to draw attention to themselves and not to each other. And there's a lot of division in that church. When God gives you that gift, it's not so that you can use that gift to draw attention to yourself. And certainly not to sit on that gift. But to actually serve and build up each other. So listen, even when the musicians play, you know what? I think with all our musicians, they would say, yeah, it's not about me. I'm just here to serve. I'm here to play and be a blessing to God's people as they worship the Lord. So I'll leave you with this. And then we're going to get into a little bit of a discussion here. There are times in the church of Christ on a practical level where sometimes you have 10 or 15% of the people doing probably about 90 or 100% of the work in the church. And this is never really a healthy thing. And what it does is it kind of sets up the church over time for failure. Whenever you have just a small percentage using their gifts, it's never really a good thing. And it's not really what the Bible encourages here in any church, and especially Pathway Christian Church. What he encourages us is this, that organically and organizationally, that we assess the gifts that we have in the body and that we don't leave most of the work just to the pastor or the elders, the deacons, or just the leaders of all the teams that we have. But God has, 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 has gifted every one of us with our gifts to not only be assessed, but to be used for each other's encouragement, for each other's blessing, and as a way of making us a healthy body and a vibrant witness to those who come to us. And as a relatively new church, we're still in the process of trying to figure out where do those gifts really lie? Who has a gift in this area? Who has a gift in that area? And then once that's determined what that gift is, the Lord says, I want you to use it. I want you to use it for the building up of the body so that together we are a blessing to the Lord, to each other, and also to the world. And we're going to look more at that 
in just a moment. But before we do, we have our discussion time together. Let's, um, let's have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, we come to you um, this afternoon. And Lord, we, we consider together something that we don't always think about, I think. And that is, that is just the, the kinds of abilities or gifts that you have given to each and every one of us. Lord, we know that our health ultimately determ uh, is determined by this. And so, O oh Lord, we pray, may your spirit continue to work here and to move here so that we may know the kind of gifts that we have to be used, O oh Lord, for the glory of your name uh, as an encouragement and a blessing to each other and also, Lord, as a, a wonderful witness to those who come to us. Grant that, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.